Blessings, everyone. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me on today's podcast. Well, let's continue looking at spiritual gifts coming out of 1 Corinthians 14. And we're getting close to the end here, folks, <laughs> of at least our cursory examination. And, and remember, that's what we do. Uh, if we just are looking at the Word of God and we're saying, Lord, what do you say about some things right here? We're not uh, getting into vast details about stuff, though it may seem like it sometimes. But we're really not. We're just taking it word by word and saying, Lord, what does this mean? What are you saying right here? So uh, pass the word about these times, by the way. You know, let your friends know. Show them how to do that old podcast kind of thing, whether it be on the computer or a tablet or a phone or an automobile, whatever it be. So in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, we've been seeing how uh, the Spirit has led Paul to write about uh, two particular spiritual gifts, prophesying and speaking in tongues. Apparently, there was conflict that was occurring uh, between the two and how they were working things out and how they were doing things. So we're going to see a little bit more about that today, as a matter of fact, little hints about that, shall we say. And uh, Paul has told him that, you know what, I, I speak in tongues more than all of you. In other words, he was not downing that giftedness. He said, but I'd rather speak five words that I know that people are going to understand in the language they will understand. I'd rather speak something that I know will edify the body because if I speak in a tongue, I'm not sure if they're going to know what I'm saying. I'm not sure if the Lord's going to give me the interpretation. I may not be sure if someone's there that has the spiritual gift of interpretation because remember back in uh, chapter 12, we saw there is the gift of interpreting tongues. And we're about to see a little more about that in just a moment. So here in chapter 14, verse 26, we saw this in our last episode. What is the outcome then, brethren? So what's the outcome of all this? How should all this work together? And Paul says this, when you assemble, in other words, when you're gathering together in <clears throat> corporate worship, when you're gathering together uh, in a Bible study, in a prayer time, whatever it may be, but whenever you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Now, that doesn't mean that each individual has to have each one of these. No, the idea behind this is that the Lord, excuse me, I still got that throat thing going on, is that the Lord is going to release his giftedness through his spirit as he desires for that moment in time in the way that he wants to do it. So one person may have a psalm. One may have a teaching. One may have a revelation. It may be a revelation about the psalm that was shared. It may be a revelation about the teaching. It may be a revelation about something that they had seen in the Word that week. One has a tongue. One has an interpretation. The idea is that each one who is a true believer, as we would say in the vernacular of the day, brings something to the table. Okay? Everyone brings something to the table if you're a believer because you have the Holy Spirit. And I believe the Lord wants to use and speak and do whatever he desires to do in and through each one of us as we gather. Now, that sort of goes against our gatherings. Think about this. Our, our major public gathering that we normally have, what we call a worship service, generally speaking, you've only got two or three people that do anything. Okay, You've got one that's given the responsibility to speak week after a week, after a week, after a week, after a week, usually the same individual, rarely varying. And that really goes against what you see within the scriptures. As a matter of fact, we'll see it more in a few verses later, which I thought I'd get to today, but it looks like I may not. <clears throat> okay, 
that's we usually have one that speaks. You'll have one that will lead uh, the singing part in some form or fashion. And then you may have two or three others that will walk up for a 30-second prayer. And then you might have one or two that will deal with some logistical things, <laughs> announcements and stu- such. Quite often, you've got one person who does all that. Okay, You'll have maybe two people, one that will lead the singing part and one that does everything else. And where is the room there for uh, someone to bring a teaching or someone to bring a revelation or someone to bring a tongue or an interpretation? Or even in a smaller gathering, what we might call a Bible study or a Sunday school class or something like that, or even a small group gathering in a home, you will more often than not only have one or two people who speak and everybody else will sit there. And that's not the pattern that you see in the Scripture. What you see in the Scripture is a give and take. What you see in the Scripture is a sharing. Okay. As a matter of fact, the next few verses, we'll cover this. Let's just look at it. Verse 27. If anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two, or at the most, three, and each in turn, and one must interpret So right here from the get-go, he's saying if if someone is gifted with languages, with tongues, let him speak forth in that unknown language. But let there only be two or three of them. In other words, there's not going to be 92 people speaking at the same time. Let there only be two or three. And let it be done in turn to where we can hear one if it's a word for the public gathering. Now, there will be times that we're all praying and we're praying at the same time. God can totally keep up with that, folks, okay? God's into multitasking, okay? He can keep up with that. And you may hear people praying in languages you don't understand. Well, they're praying to the Lord, to God, to himself, and to God. The next, and to God. The next verse is actually going to say something about that. And that's okay. That's fine. But if it's a word, if it's a tongue that's meant for the public gathering, then let it be done in turn. And make sure you have one to interpret. Again, verse 27. If anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two or at most three, and each in turn, and one must interpret. In other words, after everything he said, in other words, what's the outcome? It must be for edification, and we must be able to understand it. Well, what do you do if there's no interpreter there? Well, verse 28. But if there is no interpreter, he must keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. In other words, you can pray that under your breath. You can pray it to yourself, okay? But don't do it to the entire church if there's not an interpreter. But what do you do earlier in this chapter? It said that when you pray, if you're speaking forth the tongue, pray that the Lord would give you the interpretation. Well, if you're speaking to yourself, you pray that the Lord would give you the interpretation. I think the idea is this, that if you're speaking forth a word that you want to, you're understanding is you want it to be understood by the people okay you're not just showing off this foreign language that you don't have you want it to be for the benefit so if you're not certain that there's someone there to interpret it then just be silent and speak to yourself and to god i do think there's times when you step out in faith okay you step out in faith and you bring forth that tongue and that the lord would give you the interpretation i think there will be times where you're thinking okay i think I'm going to say this, and I think maybe God will give me the interpretation. This is not presuming upon the Lord in any way. This is simply stepping forth in faith. 
a lot of times people want to use these uh, sort of guidelines right here against themselves because they'll say, well, uh, that's the reason if you're not totally sure that God's giving you the interpretation, you don't speak it. No, 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 not necessarily. You can step out in faith. Well, what if God doesn't give you the interpretation? Well, it's one of two things. <clears throat> Either, well, maybe I should have kept that to myself and not to God. Sorry, guys. Okay. Or someone did have the interpretation and they weren't faithful and they didn't speak it forth. Sort of interesting things, right? Let me back up and read these last three verses, and then we'll stop there. And the next thing we're going to look at is about what the uh, prophet's supposed to do, one who's prophesying. We'll look at that next episode. So here's 1 Corinthians 14, 26, all together. What is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue... It should be by two or three at the most, and each in turn, and one must interpret. But if there's no interpreter, he must keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. When you see this, you can see sort of what the struggle is. The church was just breaking forth in ecstatic languages that nobody understood, and it was becoming sort of a cacophony of chaos, and it wasn't for the edification of the body, and it was becoming confusing. And they were wondering what to do. And there was actually sort of a struggle between those speaking in tongues and those prophesying. Paul was just bringing a little direction by the Holy Spirit to the body. Again, I'm Dale. I'll see you again next time.